In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me, Jerome Myers. Jerome, how are you, my friend? I'm amazing. I'm ready to have a Barty party. I don't know if that's a thing, but it's a thing now. (laughs) It is a thing. Welcome to the Barty party, Jerome. Thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait to get into your story, your amazing journey, and all the awesomeness that you're up to these days. But I guess I got to start with the opening question for you. Like what led you to where you are today? And like your shirt says, what led you to the red pill? (laughs) Oh man. So I could go down a rabbit hole for three days. If we do that, let me answer the initial question. (laughs) Me and my buddy Deron are sitting on the soup sophomore year of college. And we do some math because that's what engineering students do in their free time. I'm paying $3.95. I've got two roommates doing the same thing. He's downstairs and they got the same split up, right? So we multiply that out across the complex. And we know this guy's making 700 grand a year. We never seen him. We never talked to him. And that was when we realized that you can decouple your time for money. And we went on a quest to try to figure that out. We had no idea how to do it because we didn't have access to multi-million dollar real estate investors when we were coming through. And in fact, that comes back up later in the story, but that was when we made that understanding that, hey, there's something different here. We just got to figure out how to get there. Interesting. Interesting. So this was in college, basically your sophomore year of college. You guys are, was it off-campus housing? It sounds like. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Off-campus housing. So which college? North Carolina A&T. There you go. There you go. And you mentioned engineering too. So what led you down the engineering route? Because th- those are always interesting stories. <laughs> oh my geez, here we go, right? So if I take it all the way back, I didn't even know what an engineer was until my, I think it was my junior year in high school. I only knew about the person that drove the train, right? As an engineer. Mm-hmm. And I was in this technology magnet type program and they had us do some job shadowing. And in the job shadowing, I went and, to the people who ran the traffic lights for the city. And that's the first time that I actually got exposed to what an engineer was and could do. I wanted to be an architect, but I went to architecture camp in between my junior and senior year. And I found out that they start out at like $30,000 a year. And my mom told me that I needed to get a job when I was five years old that was gonna pay for the lifestyle I wanted to live. And 30 grand wasn't gonna pay for the lifestyle I wanted to live. and so. The university that I went to had a major called architectural engineering. And so there's only 13 of those programs in the country. This wow. was also a school several years earlier. I decided I wanted to go to because I went to homecoming and I saw the band and I saw the fraternities and sororities and I saw the football team. And I was like, this is what I want my college experience to look like. If you think of a different world for all the 80s babies out there, this was the different world in real life. And so 
that's what I wanted to do. I, I went there when I was in like seventh or eighth grade for that homecoming. And I was like, that's where I'm going to go. And then everything kind of lined up the major that I wanted that was going to actually let me be close to be an architect, but get me more money because it was an engineering degree was there. And I actually had the opportunity to play football too. That's what's up. Oh my gosh. So it's funny that you mentioned architectural engineering because like in my mind, I always feel like they're so separate, but they're so together, but they're separate. <laughs> like, so I th that's super cool that you, that you were in your niche like so early on because like for me, it was like I went in for marketing and like I thought I was going to do like a nine to five when I graduated and I was going to start businesses when I was like 40. That was that was my trajectory. <laughs> so it's amazing that you were like, I, I want to focus on this niche. And it's so funny. So you mentioned your mom said at five years old that that wasn't going to support your lifestyle. Now, what type of lifestyle drum were you living that you knew 30K wasn't going to cut it? <laughs> well, look, man. So I wanted Nikes. I wanted cars. If people get to watch the video, they'll see the, the Venador up there on the bookshelf. You know, that's aspirational for me. I was the kid who had Lamborghinis and Ferraris on my wall because that's what I would get when we had the little book fair thing. I, I loved cars and I knew that it wasn't going to work. But so that story is one of my favorite ones. Me and my mom are in the front yard and it's trash day. So the trash cans at the edge of the road and you hear the trash truck come around the corner and Lonnie lived in the other end of the cul-de-sac. So he's hanging off the back of the trash truck like he does every day. And Lonnie was just the coolest guy in the world to me. He hops off the truck, grabs the can, flips the top on the ground, flips it into the back of the trash truck, puts the trash can down, spins it over to the curve. And then he walks over to the side and he does the most important thing that any kid who gets excited about the trash truck coming does. He pulls the lever right in front of my house, Pam. And I tell you what, I go crazy and I tell my mom, I want to be a trash man. I want to be, I want to be the guy to pull the lever. And she looks at me as only a mom can do. And she says, baby, it's not going to give you the lifestyle you want to live. You want to buy Nikes, you want cars. Like you, you can't do that when you, you have that type of job. And I said, but I want to be home every day. Cause Lonnie gets to hang out with the kids when they come home from school and all of that. And she was like, yeah, but. Your daddy comes home at dinner time and you have a very different lifestyle because of the sacrifices that he makes. Mm. And so she snatched my innocence, but she told me uh, life lessons, right? She taught me what it actually takes. It, it takes some form of income. Now, I wish you would have told me something a little bit different. I wish you would have told me I need an income stream to support mm -hmm. the lifestyle I wanted to live instead of a job. But she told me the best that she knew, right? And she got me on the path and, you know, Going into engineering changed my life. It changed my financial situation in a big way. Wow. Wow. So engineer, pretty much after you chose that, you just stuck with it throughout your whole college career. Uh, no pivots or anything throughout the journey, just stuck to it? No, I was on a full scholarship. There was, there's no pivots. You're in and out. I was going to be out in four years and if I pivoted. And it's funny you bring that up because all of my electives outside of what I had to have in engineering was in the business school. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you culminated the two. Oh, man. And so throughout your journey, first, I got to ask you, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah. So when I was playing in the backyard with my Tonka trucks, I was going to be the person that designed the roads and the buildings so that I could just change the face of whatever community I was in. 
that's what I knew I wanted to do. Today, I, I actually know that as development, but when I was a kid, I had no idea what it was and I didn't know anybody who was doing it. I just knew I wanted to change the way that the landscape looked. You know what's crazy? Every single time I ask somebody this question, somehow what they wanted as a kid is directly correlated to where they are now in some crazy way, which is yeah. so cool. That's why I always ask that question and I love it so much. Amazing. And like throughout your journey, who sort of has stuck out to you in terms of like motivation, inspiration, like that person that you were like, or it could be multiple people, you know, that inspired your journey that you're like, okay, this person really did it for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to take it to trap music right now, right? Like 2 Chainz has that song, I just want to make my mama proud. Like, mm. my mom was my best friend coming up, like she was there, my dad made it such that she didn't have to work so that she could invest in me. And so every day it was playtime with mom and we had the coolest things to do and we had amazing experiences while my dad worked away he did those Carolina half days and so the two of them together made this amazing experience for me and I just really have lived my life trying to impress them I wanted to make them feel like they got a crazy return on the investment that they made and it was crazy we, we just had a article released in Black Enterprise and I'm sitting at the table, my ladies beside me, my two daughters are on the other side and my parents are at the other end of the six person table. And the article goes live, I get the link in the email saying it was up and I'm sitting with the people who have had the biggest impact on my life. And I'm like, this is the way it's supposed to be, right? Everybody who I actually care about and like I want to impress on a daily basis is here and for me, being somebody who was reading these magazines on the stupid college, trying to figure out how we were going to make our fortune to actually show up on that same periodical is insane, right? It's just totally like unbelievable for me. And so, yeah, if, if I had to pick anybody, my parents are my heroes for sure. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that so much. I'm a hundred percent with you when it comes to that, because my parents are my number one motivation for everything I do, right? Like when they came to the U S none of my family was here. They didn't know how to speak English. No, my brother was six months old and I was five. So my parents had nothing. Like my grandmother put their names in the visa lottery. They got chosen and they were out. I can't imagine dropping everything, going to a different continent, not having a plan. They only had like a couple thousand on them. Like I don't know how, right? And then you think about the sacrifices that our parents made and you're just like, wow, like how can you not want to put everything you got to make them proud, right? So I feel you, I could feel that when you were talking about your parents too. It's the same thing for me. I was like, what makes you hustle so hard? I'm like, them, it's not yeah. even me. It becomes so beyond yourself, right? In yeah. such a way, cause you're just like, yeah. they deserve it. Like they did all of this for, for us. So it's such a blessing and parents are such a, such a blessing in this life. So I'm so happy that that's your biggest motivation too. So I feel you on that big time. That's incredible. That's incredible. And you know, throughout your entrepreneurial journey, like you just mentioned, the coolest thing in the world, like you used to read those magazines, right? And like, here you are mm. now, like on them, which is so exciting. And the world always makes entrepreneurship look like this glamorized thing. And like you and I yeah. both know what it's all about truly. So throughout your journey, 
you know, what were some of the challenges that you went through? And then of course we'll get into the triumphs too, but you know, like even just starting out, like, how'd you figure it out? We'll get into that too. But some of the biggest challenges and like how you had to sort of maneuver through them. That's the most difficult, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll go to the the very beginning, right? So I did it the worst way. I dropped out of corporate America without a proven plan, right? Wow. I decided that I was going to go buy an apartment building and I go to the first bank. I stroll in, right? I'm, I'm me, right? I just built this $20 million division for a fortune 550. Of course you want to lend to me. And so I give it to them. I'm like, Hey, I got this building. I need a million dollars. I'm pretty sure you want to give that to me. They're like, who are you? Uh, I'm Jerome Myers. They're like, what qualifies you to do this? Well, I, I just built this big business. I'm a licensed engineer. Got an 800 credit score. I think that's enough. They're like, no, that's not enough. Like, what qualifies you to do this? Uh, I got an MBA. Nah, Six Sigma Master Black Belt. Nah, we don't care about that. I said, so what do you care about? We want to know that you operated a business of similar size and executed the business plan that you're proposing before. Ooh. This will be my first apartment ownership. I can't help you. What do I need to do? Go find a partner that's done this before. Oh, mm -hmm. but I don't know anybody. And this is when it hit me, Pam. I wasn't any better off than I was when I was sitting on the stoop in college. Wow. Right. Wow. I, I was no better off. So, I go to another bank because, I mean, these guys are, are crazy. They can't possibly have the final answer for me. Right. And I did that 10 times. And then I realized that I was not going to buy an apartment building. And my one plan that I had when I left corporate was not going to happen right now until I met somebody and built a relationship with them to the place where they were interested in being my partner. Wow. Imagine that. It's so bizarre, right? Because it's like... Everybody wants to experience, but then like, who's supposed to give you your first shot? Wow. Wow. So how did yeah. you go about finding a partner that fit? So I pivoted, right? Cause that's what you do. And so I started fixing and flipping. I was lending private money while I was in corporate yeah. and learning the game through the people I was investing with. Yeah. And so I, I just started fixing and flipping houses, got my contractor's license and just went off to the races. And I'm sitting on the stoop of my biggest rehab to date is $90,000 on a 1920 built house. Wow. And we're getting close to the end of the road. And a guy pulls up in a white Dodge Ram and he's like, Hey man, I'm an investor in the neighborhood. I just want to check out your project. I see you're getting pretty far along. Just want to make sure that, you know, we're going to be up to standards or use you as a comp. Like, sure, man, come in. You know, I'm proud, right? Somebody wants to see my house. He's walking <laughs> through. He's like, you know, you you tuck that wall out. The granite on the island looks amazing. I really haven't seen many people put the sink in the island. That's a good idea. Checking out the tile. And then he's done and he's walking. He gets to the doorway. He stops and he's like, hey, you know anything about that 23 unit building that's for sale? Like, dude, I tried to buy that like four or five months ago. And huh. the banks told me, that I needed a partner with experience to do the deal. He said, yeah, I'm gonna make an offer on it later today. I said, wait, whoa, whoa, you're the guy I've been looking for, right? You're the experienced person that I've been looking for. Like, don't leave me out the deal. Right. I, you got the access I need. He said, well, yeah. non-committal, right? And so he's like, man, well, I'll catch up with you. 
and he hops in his little truck and he drives off and he goes and makes that offer without me. Oh, and I, I thought I had my end, right? And so fast forward about a week, his offer gets rejected by the owner. And he said, he goes and talks to one of the guys I used to lend to. And he says, uh, I need you to be my GC on this project. I feel like having a stronger team is going to help me get the offer accepted. He said, which project? The one behind the Chimbo Mart. Oh, Jerome talked to me about that project back January, February. I'm only interested in doing this if he's in on the deal. The three of us get together on it. And then we add in the broker. He rolls his commission in and the property manager that we chose comes onto the ownership side of the deal. And we take down this $1.3 million deal and take it down to zero occupancy and redo everything. Lighting, HVAC, roof, siding, parking lot, you name it. We did it. All new plumbing, like everything. Um, it was the worst first project you could have ever done. And I'm glad the banks didn't lend to me because I would have went bankrupt, right? Because I underestimated the construction budget. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine the anatomy of cost for a 23 unit building. Because I know the single families and I'm like, Mm -mm. <laughs> or multifamilies anything beyond three units i can only imagine what the plumbing was like to do the whole thing on that hvac oh my god oh my god so how did it turn out after you did the reno yeah so i mean we we bought it with average rents of 695 or 697 something like that today we get 1195 at that property per door so you know we basically doubled what we rented for and it's worth at least twice as much as what we paid for, including our renovations. And so it worked out, but it was really long and hard. And, you know, it's part of it. Anybody who's in the real estate space knows that we have to keep going through once we get in. There is no turning around, right? You, you just got to keep feeding the beast until you exit the project. And that's what we had to do on this one. That's incredible. So you still have held on to it since then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we'll sell it when it makes sense, like makes sense as in somebody really wants that property more than we want it. Yeah. Right? But I mean, the whole point in buying these things is to create that monthly cash flow so that you have freedom and flexibility. That's incredible. And so how do you shift on to your next project from there? Because now you have a track record. So that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, you, when you go zero to one, that's when everything changes, right? And so I still remember it today. Rising Star partners with proven real estate investors to refurbish Churchill townhomes. Who are y'all talking about? They're talking about me. <laughs> wow. They're talking about me. So that wow. went into the paper, and then my phone starts ringing. They want to know, hey, Mr. Myers, have you thought about refinancing the deal? Mr. Myers, would you like to see the products that we have and see if they're a good fit for your portfolio? Hey, Mr. Myers, I don't know what else you have in your pipeline, but I'd love to buy you lunch so we can talk about how I can help you. Y'all didn't want to talk to me six months ago because well, I didn't have any experience. Isn't that crazy how that happens? How? Like, but the team is what got you there, which I love, you know, and basically you just deployed everyone's strengths, right? You put the property manager because that's what the property manager does, right? And I tell everybody too, I'm like, anybody who asks me for advice on business, I'm like, if you think you're going to make it through alone, 
especially in real estate, good luck, my friend. <laughs> like you need a whole squad. You need the attorneys. Yeah, you need you need the agents that are going to make deals happen for you, you and the brokers. You need like everybody who's an expert in their fields, like all the subcontractors, like, and then your actual team. So like, what tips would you give? Like when you're first building out a team? Cause I know so many people that are like, I want to invest in passive, passive real estate. I'm like, me too, my friend. <laughs> if you had to give like a, like a step-by-step -step, brief step-by-step, -step, what would you say in terms of like, based on that first deal? Yeah, I think, it's everybody's dealing with the same four issues yeah. knowledge deal flow experience and capital doesn't mm -hmm. matter what your investment thesis is or what your niche is knowledge deal flow experience capital in that order right everybody who says oh well i can't do a deal goes to capital because they think oh well i just need to buy it you need those other three things before you get the capital as i demonstrated with my first trip to the bank right and they bring the majority of the money on most deals so just keep that in mind. So first you need to find somebody to help you get the education you need. A lot of people spend a ton of money on university, but then they want to go start a business and they don't want to pay anybody to help them get started. And for the life of me, I just get so baffled when somebody says, oh yeah, I'm going to start this thing and I'm going to create all the things new and da, 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 da. It's like, you're wasting several years of your life trying to get to a place where if you paid somebody a little bit of money in comparison to what you're going to make, you'd be so much further ahead, right? But no, my idea is so unique and new, but it's not. Like there's somebody that already did it. I can guarantee you somebody that already did it. The only thing that's different is the fact that you're doing it. And so you can speed up your process dramatically. When I learned how to do this, I did it in the most inefficient and effective way. I listened to 40 hours of content each week. Wow. And it was my goal to learn everything that I could about it. And what happens is in the beginning, you're learning a bunch of stuff. And then in the end, you start getting the diminishing returns. And so I'm listening to 40 hours to get 40 minutes of stuff that I didn't know about. And that's just not a great use of your time. So I encourage people to find an educator who will take them end to end on the thing that they want to do. And yeah. it usually starts with some type of mindset stuff and then how you exit, right? How you sell whatever you created. Uh, then I think you need deal flow, right? It's always easier and faster to buy something that's already been built than to build it from the ground. Oh, yeah. Always, oh, always. Yeah. And so figuring out how to get exposure and access to the deals is the game. But you can't tell if it's a deal or a lead if you don't have the education or knowledge in order to vet the two. And he's like, Jerome, what's the difference between a lead and a deal? Same letters. I know there are the same letters. But one's going to make money for you and the other one's going to lose money. Mm -hmm. Right? Leads are things that are just put out there and real estate is a ruthless game. Everybody's got access to information, whether or not you actually know how to apply that information in a way that allows you to vet the deal is the game changer. And so if you find that you have a deal because you applied your knowledge against the lead, then you need experience, right? You want somebody who's been down the path before you so that they keep you from running off the road. Most people go through some form of driver's ed, right? Somebody's in the passenger seat, keeping everybody in the car alive. And you want that the first time you go through it. You are going to get hit in the mouth. I don't care how smart you are, right? And if you don't have somebody in your corner to coach you through that, you may fold. You may be out for the count. But if you got somebody in that corner rooting for you or telling you, hey, watch the right hook after they jab two times, you're probably in a much better position.
And usually those folks that have the experience will keep you from buying something that's going to do the exact opposite of what you're looking for, which is grow your wealth, right? Yeah. There's a whole lot of deals that are just going to be money pits. And if you got an experienced person, they can hyper whether or not you're getting in one of those situations. And the last piece of that, back to the capital, smart money follows experience. Capital is looking for experience. Experience is looking for a deal. So if you don't have experience or capital, find the deal by paying for the knowledge and then you become super valuable because the experienced people are getting lazy, right? They don't want to spend their time on the deal or trying to find the deal. They want somebody else to do that and they're willing to compensate you for it. Right, right. That process is perfect, but that's the hardest thing, right? Is the experience. So I love what you mentioned with bringing somebody that's going to like walk you through like a coach right? Or a consultant yeah. or somebody that's going to take the time out of their day because time is money, right? So you got to compensate. And I tell this to people all the time. I'm like, you need somebody who's going to like, especially in the beginning, handhold. Like you and I both know stuff blows up in real estate. Like things just like you said, with your first building, you're like, I would have been bankrupt because you didn't anticipate those construction costs, right? Like who would know? But if you've never done it before, you know? yeah, on, a, on a fix and flip on a single family, if you underestimate the HVAC by $2,500, woohoo, big deal, it's caught in your contingency. If you do $2,500 on 20 different HVAC units because that's your building, right? That's half a mil. I don't know a whole lot of people who just write a check for a half a mil. There's some people who can do it. There's a lot of people who can't. I totally agree with you. Right. Because when you get into these multifamily complexes, it gets more and more expensive. You exit by the amount of units that you have. My gosh. So like, what was one of your disaster deals, if you will? And then we'll get into the triumph deals because <laughs> yeah. both are important, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't have a financial disaster deal. What I do Good. have is one that I think is it's kind of funny, but I'll give you two at two different properties, but we bought them on the same day. So we bought a property. There were two vacant units beside each other. We, they're townhome style, so they share a wall. We go on and to renovate one of the units and the water been off for however long. And when we turn the water on, water starts shooting out of the wall in between the toilet and the shower. Mm -hmm. keeps going keeps going keeps going and we turn the water on at the street right and so now the bathroom's flooded the water goes through the wall and goes into the kitchen and the unit adjacent that's also vacant ruins the cabinets right and it's all my fault because when we do due diligence if i would have the utilities on it we would have known that there was an issue with the pipe surprise you're buying a kitchen that you didn't expect to buy right the second one is a different property address, same transaction, where we walk into a unit, we do the due diligence because I go in every unit before we close. And I see that they've got cardboard taped over all of the vents in the unit. I'm like, this is weird. Why would somebody do that? Central HVAC, they went and bought window units. I'm like, that's crazy because that costs so much more than your central. And so I try to turn on the unit. It's just this awful smell that comes out. Like, oh, this is weird. So we ask the owner, like, what's going on, man? He's like, oh, I don't know. They're, they're, they're foreign. They're immigrants. We're, we're not sure what's going on with them. So we go outside. He's like, is everything out okay out here? He's like, yeah, it's fine. 
So he's like, look, man, I, I don't know what it is. It's not that big of a deal. They've never called and complained. You should just go ahead and close. I was like, okay. And so we did. So now we have ownership and we're like, okay, we're going to get this thing right. What's going on? And so we get the HVAC people to go out and they open up the unit. And there is a possum that's fried on the heating strips in the HVAC unit. And that was the smell was the smell of death. We had to take out the indoor unit and the vintage. We had to replace indoor and outdoor unit and replace all the ductwork. Due diligence is everything, right? You don't want surprises. Those are two surprises that we got. And we, we did what we were supposed to do. At least we thought we did. Oh my gosh. I totally feel you on those surprises. It's happened to me a few times. Like this one time I had this uninvited squirrel and I couldn't find where he was coming into. And even I brought in like pest control. Like I brought in everything to close up every single hole that he could possibly be coming through. And even after I sold the condos, it came in. And I'm like, where is this thing coming in from? We haven't seen him in months. So I don't know if he got stuck in a wall somewhere, but like, it's just like these hilarious things that are happening. I'm like, ah, oh man. So, oh, the surprises. I, I We could go on for days talking about those. I have plenty of those. <laughs> and now some of your best deals, you know, what, what have been some of your biggest triumphs? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, for me, it's really about, we talked about the first one, which ended up after getting through the tough parts in the beginning, ended up being phenomenal. You know, we like to help people close deals that have a lot of equity in them. So one of my other college friends, he bought his first deal. It's a 26 unit in Greensboro, North Carolina. And we bought that one for 1.35 and it appraised at 1.75, right? And that was at closing table. So we, we like doing those types of deals. And I think the one that's probably been most interesting is one of my, my coaching clients recently bought a deal. He bought 18 units for half a million dollars, right? Wow. Fully occupied in the middle of COVID. But the cool thing about this deal, it was a 14 unit and a four unit. And so he tucked and he sold the four unit for 200 grand. And so now he's got 14 units for 300,000. And it's worth, you know, three quarters of a million. We're creating these huge equity grabs, right? We're chunking on people's net worth. And oh, by the way, when he sold the four unit or the quad for that 200 grand, he netted like 65 grand. And so, you know, he's basically got no money in the deal and he's got a great asset that he can sell for probably twice what he paid for it. And so... That's the game though. The game is growing net worth as quickly as possible and having some liquidity along the way. I love that. I love that. So we'll bring it back to Jerome who was going to those banks and they were refusing. Like, how'd you get past that point? Like, what was it that helped you sort of get past that, that point? Because I know there was a little bit of time in between where, you know, before you got to the flipping houses and, and that kind of thing before. And then of course, before your first multifamily deal. So what pushed you through those moments where you're like, okay, I got to rethink this now. Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking when I was going to that big rehab project that, man, I'm working harder than I did when I had a job and all my money's going the wrong way. Anybody who's done a fix and flip project knows that you don't make any money while you're doing the fix. 
right? You know, making any money until you flip and all of the money is going out and you hope that it comes back when you get to the closing table. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was super challenging. It was hard, but I just thought to myself, like I've had so much success in the past. And so I just reached in a cookie jar. It's like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes until, and to think that I would go back and go back into corporate America was just something that I couldn't bear. So the reason why I left corporate was I was laying people off every year and I just, I wasn't cut out for it. The first year I did it, I said I would never do it again. And then I was having the same conversation at Thanksgiving the next year. And I was like, this is not for me. So let me go see if if I can build 20 million for somebody else, maybe I can build 200,000 or 2 million for me. And I just figured I was just going to bet on myself and just stubborn and determined enough to keep going and tell. I love that. And that's really what made, made you take the jump from corporate America to going out and hustling your first deal. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing, right? You see a lot of people in analysis paralysis in real estate where it looks like they want to do that first deal, but they're stuck here, but they want to go here. So it's like, what really catapulted you to, to make that jump? I think part of it was running away from the pain and the trauma of laying people off combined with the fact that I knew that I always wanted to do my own thing. And this was as good a time as ever. Like you can keep putting it off, but if you think you have the golden handcuffs now, what happens when you make 25,000 more or 50,000 more, right? When does it actually stop? When is enough enough? Mm -hmm. And I think the addiction to the paycheck is the kryptonite of everybody who has a dream. I think your paycheck is what people offer you in order to turn your back on your dream. I just, I was over that. I wanted to bet on myself. And for anyone, I mean, you mentioned quite a few tips, but like, what would be the number one thing that you would say for anyone that was looking to get started in multifamily investing? Yeah, it comes back to those four things, right? Knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital. If you don't have the knowledge, find an educator who your values align with and then consume all of their content in the end. And then if they've got some educational program that's going to help you get to that next space or spot, take the program, right? It's going to speed up your learning curve so dramatically that you can't afford not to do it. And people will say, well, I don't know. I'm telling you that once you put a dollar amount on your time, you will see how valuable it is for you to pay this person to condense what would take you years into weeks. Yep. Amen to that. And touching on that a little bit, you know, now with all the wisdom that you have now, Jerome, what would your older self tell your younger self with what you know now? Get a coach, right? That step one is get a coach, get into a program where people have already done it so that you don't have to figure everything out. I mean, how naive of it was me to think that I could go to the bank and get a million dollar loan, right? (laughs) Somebody should have told me that, but I didn't ask the right people. Right. And I mean, the other piece of that is if you don't have the network already, you might have to pay to get around those folks. And that's okay. That's why people pay to go to Ivy League schools. They want to be in a different network. Proximity. You pay for proximity. I mean, because if you think about it, the people who are most successful, everyone wants a piece of them. 
right? And there's only so many hours in the day. And that's why coaches are so important, you know, and going into these major events, even though they're online, they're virtual now, you know, that's huge. I always say, you know, if this person could save you, like you said, I can't say it. I can't stress it enough to anybody who's listening. Hiring somebody, it's invaluable. Like you're going to save not only time, but money. Like I did the same thing when I started. I hired a coach because I was like, I am not even going to remotely try to do this myself when I first start, because it's going to, you know, it's going to cost me at the end of the day and I'm going to lose. So instead of losing, you might as well invest it in that person, right? What's the harm? Well, let's be clear, right? I'm super critical on bigger pockets telling people this thing and it's yeah. just take action, just go do something. And <laughs> if it messes up, then it'll be your fee. No, find a coach who's going to keep you from running in the wall yeah. and doing something stupid and then take advantage of that. It's just going to accelerate you so much quicker instead of fumbling through it. You don't have to learn that the stove is hot by touching it yourself. Right. Amen to that. Amen to that. And now what's coming next in your world, Jerome? What's what's new? What's coming? Yeah. Yeah. Laser focus, right? We've got the Mid-Atlantic Multifamily Investing Conference coming up March 19th through the 20th of 2021 our March 19th through the 21st of 2021. And we've got just this amazing speaker lineup. We've got 25 of my closest real estate investing friends coming in to share their stories and give people the tools, tips, and techniques that they've used to go from zero to wherever they are in the space. And we're fortunate enough to be having a party party <laughs> at the conference, right? Oh, I'm so honored to be a part of it as a speaker. I can't wait to talk about, you know, being the underdog, right? And just leveling up in, in real estate and and basically my experience. And I can't wait to listen in on everybody else too. I'm so pumped to, to hear all the stories and all the amazingness. It's going to be a huge event and everybody should be there or be square. Join the Barty Party and the Jerome Party. <laughs> You got to join the pack, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the thing, right? We wanted to create the most diverse real estate speaker lineup in the country. And if you go to our website, I ask you to compare it against your favorite educator or podcast hosts or content creators website. And well, I guarantee you that we win every time. And if you find somebody who's more diverse than us, I dare you to post us side by side because my perspective is that everything's better when you've got diversity. Mm -hmm. The strategy, the tactics, the techniques, the people, their experiences. And my whole goal with this thing is to destroy everybody's excuse, right? Nobody looks like me. No, that's not true. We got everybody from every different demographic you can think of. Oh, well, it's a men's world. Women can't do it. Nope. Got examples of that too. Oh, well, somebody who was not born wealthy, can't do this. Oh, well, we got plenty of people who came from virtually nothing. On and on and on and on. We're gonna kill all of the reasons why you can't do it and we're gonna crush all these stereotypes. And the last piece of that is changing the face of what wealth looks like. We want people to understand that you don't have to look a certain way in order to create real wealth, not only for yourself, but for those generations that follow you. Amen to that, my friend. I am so pumped. I am so pumped to be a part of it. And, you know, I'm so glad that you're crushing these stereotypes through the conference and just through everything that you're doing, because I hear those excuses all the time, all the time. I'm too young. 
I was 21 and I had two restaurants at the time. Like, what is your excuse? You got to keep going, right? Just keep going. So I'm so happy that through your speaker lineup and everything that you're doing, you're like crushing all the stereotypes along the way. So thank you for your amazing work, Jerome. And now you got to let the world know where to find you. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn playing in the halls every day. Jerome Myers, Greensboro, North Carolina. Don't add that extra E. It's just M-Y-E-R-S, right? And the conference, if you want to grab tickets and see the lineup and do that side-by-side comparison, it's MyersMethods.com forward slash C-O-N 2021. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. Oh,